Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm?, from 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more and remember subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week the cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz with, <laughs> with the savage premium so go to go to glow.fm slash savage premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else thank you very much the third year of the pandemic, there's new concern about a fast-spreading Omicron subvariant known as XBB 1.5. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Today we have alarming news for you. Many will be shocked by what they hear today. We have the great Dr. Victory with us. Before we begin, though, an article came out that alarmed me. It said the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 is delivered to all organs via the endothelium and induces systemic nonsense mRNA translations resulting in hyper-accelerated aging. What does that mean? Well, read the article yourself. It is a speculation. It is a theory. It is a theory that is worth looking at because there have been many sudden deaths. There's been very strange reports of an increase in uh, dramatically increased excess mortality, which seems to accelerate with each passing year. 
And uh, there's a plethora of causes for these excess deaths. People are saying it's not just a pandemic of sudden cardiac arrests, cancers, or neurodegenerative diseases. People are saying it is a hodgepodge of all of them with no seeming singular cause. And the author of this speculative article says, until now. And um, I'm not going to say I agree with them, but he is arguing that once the spike protein has invaded the endothelium of all the major organs, it then proceeds to induce mistranslation of mRNA in each organ. You can read the whole article by itself. And they're saying the spike protein, in essence, acts as a progeria drug, which is rapid aging. It's pretty astonishing if you read this. Look, the fact of the matter is, I think you should read everything out there. And I think you should make your own decisions. It's all in today's podcast presented to you by myself. The interview, by the way, is with the great Dr. Kelly Victory, who has been on the Michael Savage podcast for years. We've all been hiding under this regime of lies. Today, you're going to hear the truth. Dr. Victory is back with us to give us an update on all the new facts that have been revealed, not only about COVID-19, but also about what the government was doing to the truth on Twitter and elsewhere. A board-certified trauma and emergency specialist. She's incredible. She has 15 years of clinical experience in all of these topics. We covered as much as we could about new studies and the Twitter files and the uh, truths about vaccines and the responses to this uh, epidemic. Dr. Victory and several other free-thinking doctors are now being vindicated for their crusade to bring the truth to the public. And today, you're going to hear answers to these questions. Why are the vaccinated more susceptible to the new COVID variant? You don't know the answer. What an alarming study reveals about athletes and vaccinations. Will we ever see a class action lawsuit against the manufacturers of the COVID shots? And what risks did manufacturers know about before they rolled out the vaccines? Did they know what they might do? Are there any data on skin disorders and other illnesses? What about autoimmune responses, other diseases from the shots? Are there interactions between this vaccine and other vaccines, such as the flu vaccine, the shingles vaccine? What should people do to protect themselves right now? And are people finally waking up to the stranglehold pharmaceuticals have on the media? What you're going to hear today on this podcast, you'll hear nowhere else because you have two scientists who have been on the forefront of alternative and modern medicine for a long time. And you now have a long form interview, not a quick five minute hit on Fox News. Dr. Victory is appearing everywhere now because people are waking up to her expertise. But on this podcast in particular, you're going to hear her expound on all of the details she doesn't get a chance to do in the media. So settle back, listen, and share with others. I appreciate it. I'm Michael Savage. Your patronage is what keeps this podcast alive. Thank you for listening and share with others. Dr. Victory, I presume. Yes. How are you, Michael? I've seen you all over the media. They're finally catching up to the fact that you're a genius, huh? <laughs> Thank you. Well, they finally at least taken off the censorship handcuffs. Isn't that a night? Isn't that a nightmare? What we've lived oh. through, like the Soviet Union, Dr. Victory. God, I can't tell you, not only with Twitter, Michael, not only was I censored, you know, kicked off, I banned, but they allowed sham accounts impersonating me to get verified with blue checks. Oh, my so God. I, people out there these, posting all this crap and everybody, people thinking it was me. And I'm writing to Twitter. I had hundreds of people writing to Twitter saying that's not Dr. Kelly Victory. This is an impersonating account. It was awful. This went on for the better part of a, like the last nine months. So it's, it's you know, I, 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 I'm obsessed with the history of fascism, totalitarianism. I have been some 18 years old. So there's a series on History Channel that I've seen before about, you know, about Stalin. I don't know if you've seen it on the History Channel about his rise and what he did. No, but I, I love I love the History Channel. So I would love to see it. The repercussions, of course, as we know, with the mass murder of, you know, so many millions of people. We're not there yet, but, you know, the seeds of the same mentality, Dr. Victory, 
have been put in place under this Biden administration. I've never seen anything like this so quickly. Right. In such a short period of time, when an evil dunce like this is engineered into the office, the people around him are far more evil than he is. Right. Can do these things. But this occurred before Biden is what you're saying. Yes. And in fact, what we are seeing, this is not just happening in the United States. It's happening globally. And they use the same verbiage, the same sorts of phraseology. You hear that that woman, Jacinda uh, Ardern or whatever, the prime minister of New Zealand, she's fundamentally eliminated all uh, print media platforms and said, if you disagree with the government, she said, listen to no one else. We will provide you. We, the government, will provide you everything you need to hear, everything you need sure. to know. I mean, these are terrifying times. Um, Where do these people come from and how are the people so easily gulled is the real question. Yeah. How has how have people lost their skepticism? <laughs> So quickly. Well, it, it is remarkable. And it is supposedly amongst learned people, my own profession. What an embarrassment the medical profession has been for the duration of this pandemic. Critical thinking. Um, it, it, these people don't have a lick of intellectual curiosity. They refuse to ask questions. They refuse to actually do the the sorts of critical analysis that has you know heretofore been the, the cornerstone of medicine uh it's really an embarrassment it's one no but this occurred i think we have to be fair a lot of the censorship occurred before musk bought twitter oh oh a hundred percent it all occurred okay so trump was in power right people were screaming at trump to get control of what was going on he had his hands full with the investigations which was part of what they do which is keep poking at him so he's off base and can't do his job uh, we all know that. I remember when Trump was elected, just to go back to him for one minute, because it's intimately tied in with this propaganda that we're all living in with regard to COVID. When he was elected, Charles Schumer said, famously said, when you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways to Sunday you to get back at you. take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. I replayed that over and over on my radio show. So getting even with Trump, why would they? Well, of course, it's centralization of power. We understand what it's all about. Central control through the Central Intelligence Agency is what we're looking at here in the FBI. But we had an FDA chief, again, to be fair to the listeners, this guy, Scott, whatever his name was, it was appointed. Gottlieb. Gottlieb, appointed by Donald Trump, who I met at a Hanukkah party in the White House. Nice enough, you know, guy talk. Turns out he was one of the worst. Tell us about Scott Gottlieb of the FDA. Yeah, well, all of these guys were were in the tank. It wasn't just Gottlieb. It was Deborah Burks and obviously Anthony Fauci and a bu- and a bunch of others. And what you know, while I have my issues with Donald Trump, I will you know, in his defense. He was the elected president. He's not a physician. He's not a scientist. He had there was no expectation, no reasonable expectation that he would understand the science or the technicalities around either the pandemic or the approach, the, the response. What he is responsible for is, you know, hiring people around him and, and appointing people around him to advise him. And it's very clear that those people were flat out dishonest, not just incompetent, Michael, but dishonest. Deborah Burks wrote in her own book, she Scott wrote was book. on the board of Pfizer, Dr. Victory. Yes, they are all in the tank for big pharma. Was he on the board of Pfizer? Excuse me. While he was at the FDA? No, no, he had been on. But clearly, these guys continued to get after Trump's FDA. He left and went to work for Pfizer as a, a paid. Yes. Advisor. yes. And he became one of the chief mouthpieces saying the vaccine is safe and don't listen to anyone else. Absolutely. And so and so was, you know, Anthony Fauci. And so Anthony Fauci, who's the head of the NIAID um, and has been a big wig at the CDC. Dr. For- Victory, I've known his work since the AIDS epidemic yeah. in the 80s. He is one of the sneakiest, most dangerous people I have ever watched. Yeah, I saw him on Fox News last week. I was shocked. Maybe you saw it. Neil Cavuto, who's not known for high IQ. Right. Had Fauci on for 20 straight minutes, letting Fauci 
re-engineer his past, go backwards and say things that he didn't do and did do and did do and did and right. wouldn't do and would have. I, I couldn't believe it. So you ask yourself, why is Murdoch Fox using a phrase out of the Soviet Union, rehabilitating? It's a phrase out of the Soviet Union, rehabilitating uh, Fauci now. What are they trying to do here? Why are they rehabilitating him? This is all ties back to Big Pharma. They are largely funded like everybody else, Michael, by Big Pharma. Look at these shows. These shows, it's Pfizer. Oh, you mean, it's, yeah, every ad is for another Absolutely. illness. Absolutely. Has so, a nation ever been this debilitated? No, th th this is, we are owned and every, and by the way, one of the other huge issues is that all of the medical journals are owned by big pharma. So the only thing that gets published. How did our great grandparents survive without all these medicines for every illness under the sun? It, you turn on Fox, you turn on CNN. Right. Every break is another ad for, for, for another autoimmune disease or this right. disease or that disease. I, I don't understand where it came from. Right. Because we are we are fueling them because, you know, we are they, they have no vested interest. The pharmaceutical companies have no vested interest in you being healthy and neither do the hospitals. Hospitals only make money one way. And that's when you're in it. <laughs> You're such you're such an apostate. OK, we got to be careful. So next you're going to have a knock on the door with a young girl with a machine gun if you keep it up. Uh, I know, it's true. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We are seeing that the uh, ability of individuals who are infected through breakthrough infections, namely vaccinated people who ultimately get infected, that they are generally without symptoms or minimally symptomatic. However, it is clear that they are capable of transmitting the infection to uninfected individuals. Uh, Dr. Victor, I love to argue with you. So we can do the long form interviews that you don't get a chance to do on the on the bigger shows. Uh and it, which is why I know you come on the show. So let me read you some of the headlines, which you've all seen. But the people are going to want to hear your answers. OK. Twitter files. Pfizer official flag tweet doubting need for COVID-19 vaccine. Daily Mail. Next. U.S. FDA, CDC, early signal possible Pfizer bivalent COVID shot linked to stroke. Out of U.S. News and World Report. Next. National Review. Ryan Mills. Twitter files. Platform suppressed. Valid information from medical experts about COVID-19. That would be you. COVID-19 drug makers pressure Twitter to censor activists pushing for generic vaccine. The Intercept, Lee Fang. These are some of the headlines. So it's totally corrupt. Uh, I have family members who did get the shot and boosters and others who did not get the shot or any boosters. Again, I'm not an anti-vax person, as I know you've made clear about yourself. I went through childhood vaccines like the polio mm -hmm. vaccine, probably would have gotten polio without it. I was living in basically the Bronx at the time as a kid in a mm -hmm. you know crowded neighborhood and it was everywhere. Everyone was frightened. No one I know ever got sick from the polio vaccine. Is that because it had been tested in human trials before? being released on the public? Absolutely. There's, I mean, the, the vaccinology is incredibly complicated. Uh, the average vaccine takes eight to 10 years to come to market if it ever makes it at all. But how did they uh, get a polio vaccine on the market so quickly in the early 50s? Well, they, they did. First of all, they started, unfortunately, they started with a live vaccine. They actually used live virus, which you call a live attenuated vaccine, with some significant issues. They actually gave polio polio to some kids uh, by by giving them that vaccine. And then they worked very quickly and said, this doesn't work. We have to actually kill the vaccine. We have to kill the virus um, so that nobody will contract the virus from the vaccine itself. But it's very different when you're actually using, Michael, the virus itself rather than some surrogate, in this case, this mRNA, which is never, we've never had a safe mRNA vaccine, not because scientists haven't been working on it well more than a decade. They've been working on it. Uh, but those vaccines have failed over and over again, sometimes you mean, with the, you mean the COVID vaccine, the COVID vaccine. I mean, mRNA technology as a vaccine. We tried it with the dengue fever. We tried we, we've tried mRNA for other vaccines over the past, uh, you know, 10 to 14 years. And they have failed every time, sometimes with horrific uh, results in the tests where, you know, all the animals died kind of thing. Um, 
I think going really- on to co- COVID, Dr. Victory, if I if I might jump to the actual COVID vaccine that we're hearing so much about and the new variant, the new variant, it seems to be highly transmissible, like a new variant of a cold flu in the sense that it's not unusual for a virus to mutate, is it? Oh, no, this is the main. All viruses mutate. Coronavirus, coronaviruses are particularly adept at it. They mutate more quickly than others. And when and and when very smart viruses and when well, and when viruses mutate, they do with reportably rare exception, they do two things. As they mutate, they, number one, become more contagious, more easy, easily transmitted to others. And number two, they become less virulent, less severe. It's a survival. Yes, it's a survival mechanism for the virus. So they become more contagious, less severe. The good news is. Wait, wait, I want to follow this. I've studied epidemiology, but I missed a step there. More contagious, but less virulent for their own survival. Why would being less virulent oh because they're not killing off as many hosts exactly i got it exactly i wanted to follow i wanted to follow the steps because you were ahead of me so quickly so many steps ahead of me that i had to slow down so the virus is so intelligent that it doesn't want to kill the host because if it kills off all the hosts, it dies. Exactly. Because because if you kill the host, so so um, viruses that are not as contagious tend to be more deadly. So we have this virus. And so despite the fact that it is uh, irrefutable that COVID-19 was not a naturally occurring virus, it was one that was uh, manipulated uh, or created within a within a laboratory. The good news is, despite the fact that it, it wasn't a naturally occurring virus. It has followed the normal, uh, the normal steps, if you will, the normal mutation route that we would expect for a naturally occurring virus. So so far, right now, we have these variants that, as you rightly point out, are more akin to what we used to call back in the olden days, <laughs> prior to 2020, the common cold. Um, you know, people get a, they feel lousy. They get the, a runny nose and a sore throat and a cough and a fever and feel lethargic. Uh, and that lists for, lasts for five to seven days. Um, and that's really where we are with the COVID. Now, the caveat to that and the scary part to that is that it is absolutely becoming more and more clear by the day, study after study, that those people who are heavily vaccinated for COVID, people who had not only the first two shots, but also Mm. a booster or two, are actually at higher risk, significantly higher risk. We need to pause there because that's a big question for me and many people listening. Why does the new variant target the vaccinated and people have already had the illness? Well, what what's happening, it appears, is that people who are heavily vaccinated for covid have suppression of their immune system. So when they so two things are going on. Number one, they have overall suppression of their immune system when they come in. The vaccine suppresses the immune system. That is correct. Instead of of enhancing the immune system, it suppresses it? Correct. So that when they come into contact with COVID, then down the road, the virus COVID, they do not mount the the same immune response that you would have predicted or anticipated. Uh, Furthermore, the immune response that they do create is seems to be creating the wrong antibodies. They create antibodies. For, that are that were the ones that they coded for with that mRNA. Oh, so for crazy. most people, they are. So it's actually weakening the populations that are getting it. Yeah, they, they are. So the people who are vaccinated crank out antibodies to the Wuhan strain, which is what they got vaccinated to do. Unfortunately, the Wuhan strain has been out of existence for more than a year and a half. Well, that's true with flu with flu vaccines. You know, I I'm I'm of a certain age. I've never taken a flu vaccine. I never would. Because as a trained scientist, I knew that by the time you take the vaccine, it's already antiquated. It's for the last variant. That is correct. So it, it's in it, the the analogy would be, you know, these vaccines that they're creating are you, you're always fighting last year's war. Um, mm-hmm. You're fighting. You've got the wrong army, and this is the reason fundamentally, Michael, that anybody with half a wit knows you don't roll out a vaccine program in the midst of a pandemic. 
because in the midst of the pandemic, the virus is mutating quickly. It is by the time you roll out the next, you know, booster, that variant's gone and you're on to the next one. So you're constantly chasing your tail. Uh, We would have been far better off to allow the, the virus to mutate as it has to far less virulent strains and to let people go ahead and contract it if they will. At this point, more than 90 percent of the population has had COVID at least once, develop natural antibodies to it and worry about protecting that very small group of people who was ever at significant risk from the virus, largely the elderly and those people with underlying uh, comorbidities. This is a fascinating discussion for me in particular. You know, when we were at the peak of it, I was publishing on my website foods that are rich in quercetin or mm-hmm. epigallocatechin, foods that are rich in zinc. And I was telling people diet has a lot. Mm-hmm. My background's in nutrition. People could, could augment their own internal immunity. And of course, it, it's true. And many people did. And they were called every name under the sun. Remember, they were saying this is an epidemic of the unvaccinated. Right. Remember that lie that was put out by Fauci at all? Oh, it, it not only is not a it, it's it's the exact it's the polar opposite, Michael. So we now right. know so it's, now a, it really it's is. an epidemic. It's a it's an epidemic of the vaccinated. <laughs> oh, God, watch out. You're going to get banned by, <laughs> by Musk's Twitter, Dr. Victory. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. What about people who they tell? By the way, while you and I are talking about it, and this is well known in the science community now, what we're saying, of course, the average physician doesn't know what we're right. talking about, um, but they're pushing the boosters right now at the same time that we're talking. Exactly. The, the boosters have, in my estimation, zero zero scientific rationale. Again, the boosters are for variants that don't even exist any longer. They made the boosters based on two things, bivalent, because it includes mRNA to code for uh, the original spike protein on the Wuhan strain is gone, as I said, for over a year and a half. Why you would include that is beyond me. And then the BA4 and BA5, those variants are also gone. We are way beyond those now. So you're talking about vaccinating people to create antibodies to variants that no longer exist. That's shocking that they're still pushing uh, this. Okay, on top so, of it, if you remember, Michael, if you will, you know, indulge me for a second. There were three things. Oh, I love things. to indulge you for more than a second. <laughs> there were three things that, that that we were told that we were absolutely, you know, supposed to believe. Number one, we were told over and over again that the vaccines would prevent you from getting COVID. Everybody from Rachel Maddow to Don Lamont. Well, wait a minute, Fauci. Dr. Victory. Don't you trust the science? Exactly. Right. Right. Remember that? Remember oh. that propaganda? Oh, trust the science. So number the one. science is in. I learned in Science 101 in undergraduate school that the mark of science is to remain skeptical and the mark of science is to keep asking questions, not to trust the science. Exactly. You know, you're supposed to leave your critical thinking skills at the door and just swallow what they hand you. So, number one, we were told it would stop you from getting COVID. Clearly, that is not true. And all the vaccine manufacturers very quickly admitted that. Then they went on to they said, well, OK, so it won't stop you from getting COVID, but it will stop you from transmitting it to others. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world. Data. Oh, right. Not, I remember that lie. OK, not only did it not stop you from transmitting to others, but they never even tested for that. So the fact oh. that they even made that statement was that was a PR statement put out, for, for, put out by beginning. some marketing person and that, right. within the company to make everyone want to get it. Correct. Oh, my God. And then the Just, third thing, and the only easy. remaining claim that they continue to make over and over again is that, OK, so it doesn't stop you from getting it and it doesn't stop you from spreading it to others, but it will prevent you or decrease your risk of getting hospitalized or dying from it. I remember Yet, that. Okay. yet as of today, you know, here we sit in January 2023, there isn't a single study that validates that claim that these vaccines will will decrease your risk of getting hospitalized. That was another PR statement, marketing statement put out for any skeptic who was coming up with questions. They had an answer based not on science, but upon 
simple marketing. Right. And if you look at the actual science, the large study that just came out of, um, of uh, Australia, you have a 330% increased chance of being hospitalized with COVID if you were vaccinated than if you never were vaccinated oh at all. Oh my God. Three times higher chance of, more than three times, higher chance of being hospitalized. So the, the data, and again, this isn't Dr. Kelly Victory's opinion. I am reporting on the studies that are coming out that are showing negative efficacy of the vaccines, increased risk of contracting COVID. I want people to understand, and we did this in the introduction, you're an MD, you're board certified trauma and emergency specialist with over 15 years of clinical experience. You have huge experience in this field. You work closely with Homeland Security, U.S. Uh, Department of Health and Human Services, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and multiple branches of the military. You know, this is a big question. How many people were dismissed from the military because they wouldn't take the vaccination? Uh-huh. We lost the whole intelligent officer corps almost on purpose. It was like a purge under Stalin. <clears throat> but that's for another time. I want to go back to a news story. The collapse of the football player, Damar Hamlin, young, strong man of the NFL. Um, did that have anything to do with the mRNA vaccine? Well, I have not, you know, full disclosure, I have not examined Damar Hamlin, nor have I reviewed his medical records. That said, Michael, I think um, it is in all likelihood a direct result of the mRNA vaccines. We know that he was vaccinated. Uh, The team has made the announcement that all of their team members were vaccinated. Uh, So so we know that. Um, And we know that we are seeing a massive increase in the incidence of sudden cardiac arrests in athletes. For anybody, for the naysayers who have claimed that this has always happened, you know, we've always had some element of cardiac arrests uh, in in athletes. That is true. And in fact, um, there was a huge study done by the International Olympic Committee well predating COVID. They looked at a 38-year period and Mm -hmm. calculated the average number on an annual basis of Olympic-level or professional-level athletes who died of sudden cardiac arrest. And they found that on average over 38 years, that number was 29, just under 29 per year. We were saying the time of DeMar Hamlin's collapse uh, that Monday on televised uh, or national television, at that time we had 1,600 sudden cardiac arrests. Well, let's in pause. Athletes. That's astounding. Okay. Wait, this, this is like the Eureka moment. Right. The average number of sudden cardiac deaths in sports, what, U.S. worldwide or worldwide was twenty nine per year on average, not twenty nine per hundred thousand, but twenty nine deaths per per year per year. Okay, And in the first 20 months of the vaccine program, 18 months of the vaccine program, we had sixteen hundred. Oh, Lord. Okay, so (laughs) and the only difference is the covid vaccine. Well, the other thing that would be out there that would be different would be, was it COVID itself? So the naysayers have said, well, it's not the vaccine that's causing it. It's because people had COVID and that's what's causing this myocarditis and cardiac issue. The problem is we have a huge population-based study that was done prior to the rollout of the vaccines that shows conclusively no increased incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis in people who had COVID but hadn't been vaccinated. The vaccines didn't exist Ah. at the time the study was done. So again, I can't say that any one case, Michael, is a result of the vaccine. But at some point, if you are a scientist of any repute, you have to be looking at these patterns. You have to be looking at this and saying, what the heck is going on? And the idea with Damar Hamlin that the media and the talking heads immediately jumped to this preposterous notion of commotio cordis, an entity, by the way, that no one other than uh, trauma physicians and cardiologists had ever heard of. And all of a sudden, everybody and their brother is a, an expert on commotio cordis. The idea commotion, of course, is the idea that you can go into a cardiac dysrhythmia, an abnormal heart rhythm, and end up with a cardiac arrest from a sudden blow to the chest. And people, That's true, though, isn't it? 
It is true. And it is absolutely reportable for it to occur without. If a kid gets hit in the chest with a a fastball, it's a projectile. Exactly. You're exactly right. Something around the size of a fist that hits in the center of the chest, going somewhere between 40 and 60 miles an hour. And at a very specific time, a a minute time during the cardiac cycle. Between a certain number of beats. Yes. Certain type of beat. So there's a reason this doesn't occur all the time in in professional football. You're going to turn me back into a couch potato the more I listen to you. (laughs) I don't want to leave my my studio listening to this. But But, what is it about the mRNA vaccine that causes uh, uh, cardio um, it's inflammation. My, it's, inflammation. It, it's it's the mRNA, and this. And by the way, these COVID vaccines aren't the first time. This was an issue with prior trials with mRNA vaccines for other viruses. We've always known that these have the potential and clearly cause inflammation of the heart muscle, and then that inflammation of the heart muscle predisposes people to the development of abnormal heart rhythms and therefore sudden cardiac so, arrest. Dr. Victory, what is it in the vaccine that provokes the inflammation in the heart muscle? Two, two things. Two things. Number one, the mRNA, as you'll recall, the entire purpose of the mRNA is to give your body the roadmap to form these spike proteins, to start cranking out the spike proteins so that you will then develop antibodies to the spike proteins. The spike proteins are toxic in and of themselves. They collect in all different kinds of tissues, all different organ systems, but certainly in the heart muscle. And we know because we have the stains, the specific tissue stains available, we can determine on biopsy or at autopsy whether the spike proteins that are glommed up in the heart muscle are ones that came from the virus Mm -hmm. or ones that came as a result of the vaccine. They Mm. stain differently. And it's very clear that these are spike proteins that were produced as a result of the vaccine. The second thing, other than the spike proteins, is the lipid nanoparticles themselves. This mRNA is encapsulated in a little sort of a fat globule, a little bubble when it's injected into the deltoid muscle in the arm. And that was intended to help the mRNA get to where it's supposed to go to different tissue systems. The lipid nanoparticles by themselves, independent of the mRNA, is toxic. It's toxic Mm. to lots of different organ systems, not only the heart, but also the reproductive organs, specifically the ovaries and the testes. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. No matter why you have put it off in the past, no judgment, now is the time to actually go do it. Because we really cannot afford you having to go to the hospital right now. You know, as you're speaking, again, I'm going back to the TV ads. I'm an avid news watcher. I'm an avid movie watcher. So I watch a lot of television after work. I I just get absorbed in movies. So I watch the ads sometimes. And I noticed, of course, the number of ads, as you mentioned earlier, for these diseases, it seems like the whole population's crippled, right. like the whole society's crippled day and night. Then for years, we had the mesothelioma gonophs, the, the, the thieves in the, in, the, in the legal profession, the mesothelioma crooks. Day and night, mesothelioma sue for this, then the toxic water at Camp Lejeune. Again, the, the, the lawyers, the lawyers coming up with these. When is it? When are we going to see class action suits against Pfizer for side effects for the covid vaccine? Well, a couple couple thoughts here on this with regard to the advertising. Let me start with that. (laughs) If the advertising had anything to do with trying to help people manage their health and wellness, don't you think we'd have some ads for generic medications? You never see an ad for aspirin. You never see an ad for for acetaminophen. You never see an ad for the you only see advertisements for brand name drugs because some pharmaceutical companies out there making mega bucks uh, off of off of you. This has nothing to do with improving people's health for starters. 
With regard to uh, accountability, this really is, you know, part of my mandate, part of the reason I am doing what I'm doing right now and have been for the past three years, Michael, is because without accountability, there will be no vindication for those people who were harmed. Uh, right now, the vaccine manufacturers, you know, they, they have blanket immunity right now. Because, That's what I was going to ask you. If, yeah. if a lawyer, a big law firm were to go after Pfizer right now, they would get nowhere because they're immune to lawsuits, right? That is correct. Who, because, get, who gave Pfizer this immune immunity from prosecution? That's because because of the emergency use authorization. Oh my God. So the emergency use authorization by its very <laughs> nature, because it's claimed that we are under an emergency, the vaccine manufacturers enjoy blanket liability protection, meaning they cannot be sued. That is up to the point, however, that we are able to expose fraud. If we can expose that these vaccine manufacturers actually knew, had information about adverse events, withheld information from the public, um, you know, either falsified uh, or, or limited um, the, the research data from coming out. We are now seeing much of it, uh, oh. Pfizer and Moderna's own reports, and this is only after aggressive FOIA requests that we are now getting the data. We I know see. that these vaccine manufacturers knew ahead of time about the risk of myocarditis. They knew oh ahead of time about the risk of blood clots. So if we can prove fraud, then the uh, the liability protection will go away. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I can imagine what kind of lobbying is going on right now to prevent mm -hmm. the truth from coming out. Um, a listener sent me a question in advance saying, are there any hidden is there any hidden data on skin problems such as eczema or psoriasis after COVID vaccines and boosters? Oh, it's not just hidden. It's, it's out there uh, in plain view. If you look for it, there's no question that we are seeing an uptick in many things that are related to autoimmune responses and things like psoriasis and eczema would be some of the skin conditions that are. We're also seeing increases in other autoimmune mediated diseases like Crohn's disease, multiple oh sclerosis, those sorts of things again because of the immune suppressive effect of these vaccines my bigger concern not that psoriasis and eczema aren't horrible for the person suffering from them but the, my biggest concern when it comes to suppression of the immune system is going to be the increase and we're already seeing it across the board the increase in cancers because oh, the Lord. first line of defense against oh. cancer is actually the immune system. Uh, the immune system isn't just there to fight bacteria and viruses. It's the immune system that's supposed to recognize that first abnormal breast cell or that first abnormal it. skin cell and, 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 and kill it. it and, and destroy it. Exactly. So when you suppress the immune system, we are seeing now again, onset, new onset cancers, very aggressive cancers that are quite atypical for the age groups we are seeing oh them in. Oh my God. Lymphomas, myelomas, leukemias, um, onset of colorectal cancers in young people, oh very Lord. aggressive skin cancers in young people. Oh and furthermore, God. we're seeing resurgence of cancers that had been deemed to be in remission for many, many years. Uh, there are people who had had breast cancer or colorectal cancer Cancer in remission now for five, seven years that also not only come back, but they come back and these people are dead within a matter of weeks. There's so much information I'm getting from you right now. I don't know where to follow, but I'm going to follow with a few questions about your life. How has your life changed since you became <laughs> vocal about the response to COVID? This, What's happened to you? This has been a real ride and I, I wouldn't do it any other way, truly. Um, when I first sounded the alarm that something was awry was very, very early in the pandemic. Frankly, it was the first week of February um, when someone started suggesting that we should wear uh, face masks. And I said, 
Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We, we, we know that that face masks don't stop the spread of respiratory viruses. Because the viruses are too small for the pores of the mask. Yes. And they are aerosolized and you breathe. And, you know, when you wear a surgical, that has that's not why we wear surgical masks. I, I wear a surgical mask for two reasons only. Number one, to keep me from inadvertently spitting or coughing into an open wound. And number two, to keep me from being sprayed in the face with blood or another bodily fluid. That's it. It has nothing to do with me trying to protect my patient from from some virus I might have or protect me from them. Dr. Victory, and yet you see poor people, gullible people, frightened people driving in their own car to this day wearing a mask. And you want to say, ma'am, please, you can't even talk to them. No, they're no. so frightened and conditioned. Yes. Do anything that Dr. Rochelle Walensky tells them right. to do. No, we have, us to yeah, we, have dis- we, have, we have destroyed a, an entire generation of kids lives. I fly every week and I go through the airports and I see young families oh, with kids. little kids, little I two, three year olds wearing masks. And I think, oh, my this poor child. They, they, I see have, them in the supermarket. Oh. With the little boys, 10 years old, 12, yeah. Yeah. they go in the market and put the mask on. Right. Even the father doesn't wear it. Mm-hmm. The boys seem to be more frightened than the girls, by the way. They're more easily a, a go. Mm-hmm. But that's a second sociological question. <laughs> Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. You recently shared... The amazing clip of CDC director, so-called Rochelle Walensky, in March of 2021, telling so-called MSNBC that, quote, vaccinated people do not carry the virus and do not get sick. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. Did she know better at the time? I think they had to know better. As I said, the three claims, number one, it will keep you from getting COVID. Number two, it will keep you from transmitting COVID to others. And number three, it will decrease your risk of hospitalization or death. They had to know from the beginning that none of those things were true. Uh, Yet they marched out there and said it over and over and over again. If on the flip side, Michael, if they actually believed them to be true and were just wrong, were just that incompetent, please sign me up for that industry where you can be wrong over and over and over again and keep your dang job. Um, You know, in, in the real world, if you're a CEO or the CFO or the COO of a company and you get it wrong 100% of the time, your board is going to fire you. Your stock and your shareholders are going to fire you. And well, they should. But come on, Dr. Victory, that's the evils of capitalism. Is what you're talking <laughs> about. In a socialist system, you never get fired. You can't get fired. They exactly. won't fire you. In fact, you have a job for life no matter what you do, which is where we're moving. So COVID vax interactions with pneumonia vaccine, shingle vaccine, flu vaccines, would you tell us a little bit about those? Well, I'd say the the answer to that question is we don't know. Uh, know. There's well, there's a reason that the average vaccine, as I said, takes eight to 10 years to come to market if it ever does at all, because these are the sorts of studies that would normally be done, Michael, during the prolonged, diligent, uh, you know, rigorous study period before you roll this out to the entire public. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know. I do think now. I would say that even though I have been very, very pro-vaccine during my career, this entire debacle has caused me to take a far more circumspect uh, view of all vaccines and say at a, at a minimum, maybe we are over-vaccinating people and maybe we are over you know, doing them in too, uh, too quickly, too close uh, in their timing, even with children. You know, some kids go in and get, you know, five, six vaccines at one time. Um, So the answer to your actual question, is there an interplay or interaction between the shingrix, the shingles vaccine, influenza vaccine and COVID vaccines? I can't say, but I will tell you, uh, given the number of adverse events with the COVID vaccines, I certainly would suggest that people not do them in rapid succession with the other vaccines that have been more uh, more well proven. So thank God for the resistors out there who would not get vaccinated, the cops, the firemen, 
uh, God knows what else, who said, no, I'm not taking this unproven vaccine. They had the, the, the courage of their convictions. Yes. Many of them lost their jobs anyway because the government was so overbearingly pressuring them to take the COVID shot. Where do we go from here, both as a society and as scientists? What's next well, here, here's where I'm really driving this. this. And I've posted this on social media and I really mean it. Um, there is no time for and I told you so victory lap as much as I would like to right. do it, because everything right. I've said has come to fruition. The smart people. Madam Curie has nothing the, on you. Right. You're, the modern, you're, the, you're the Madame Curie of our generation. Well, well, thank you. But really smart people, Michael, were behind the development of these mRNA vaccines. Really smart people were involved in the ability to change the entire narrative and to get an entire world to follow them. We need to employ those same really smart people to fix this. There's got to be a fix. I can't tell you what it is. I'm not an mRNA specialist, but if you can turn it on, there's got to be a way to turn it off. There's got to be a way to try to remove these spike proteins to mitigate the damage. This is an all hands on deck time because otherwise we are going to see an unmitigated disaster. Uh, human suffering increases in different diseases. Death mm. is going to go off. So I submit that, yes, we need accountability. Absolutely. We need accountability, not only because it is morally righteous, but because that's the only way we will get recourse for those people who have been harmed. But let us not get totally sidetracked with that and forget about the, the more pressing issue, which is we need to come up with some fixes for this. We need to come up, you know, with, with a way to treat these people. So people are saying, OK, I believe you, Dr. Victory. Michael, you're right. What should I do? So for years, I have been as a background, having my background in phytochemistry and botanical medicine. I was giving people some advice and some tips on things they could do. I mean, commonsensical and some they didn't know about you know, certain foods like green tea, mm -hmm. epigallocatechin and all of that. But yesterday I posted something interesting, and I don't think we need to go into this. I may do this in a separate podcast. And I posted it only yesterday. I said, for those taking NAC to prevent or treat COVID, caution, N-acetylcysteine, which right. became very popular. NAC may raise levels of homocysteine, an amino acid that is associated right. with heart disease. And right. I was then warning people on Twitter, have your doctor check your homocysteine level if you're taking NAC. Because very high doses, more than seven grams of cysteine may be toxic. And a lot of people said, oh, my God, I've been taking it. See, here's an example of people reacting in the wrong way, overreacting and then taking, you know, gram, right, right. gram levels of turmeric, which is causing ki kidney failure, for example. Right. Right. Turmeric is supposed to be used in an Indian restaurant in a curry. <laughs> it was never meant to be put in a capsule and then blasted into your body. And I warn people about that. And the quercetin, the turmeric and the NAC. Again, America is an extremist nation, always has been. We go from one extreme to the other. First, there were no vitamins you couldn't take it. Then it was mega vitamins. Then it was too much of one, not enough right. of another. And the same with the vaccine. So we have to real now, really now it's my job. Next podcast is to do that. Talk a little bit about the, the supplements, how far to go, how not to go. But do you have any final thoughts on you said, let's not take a victory lap and saying Dr. Victory was correct. Victory with victory. You don't want to take a victory lap and say, I was right. I warned you. I have a halo. You don't want to do that, but I, I want to do it for you. So as a <laughs> seer and a physician and a healer, you are. What do you think the average listener to this podcast should be doing now that this new variant is seems to be spreading so rapidly? What should well, they do? First of all, I would say we need a rapid return to common sense. OK, um, oh, so number one, luck. yes, you, we should be focusing on the things that we always should have been hammering on to improve the health and functioning of your immune system, which is the basics, adequate sleep, regular exercise, good nutrition, supplementing those things that are tough to get today in Americans diets like zinc and vitamin D and quercetin, but in reasonable, modest amounts. 
We need to be doing the things you always did when you got uh, a virus. Mm. Treat them symptomatically. If you have a fever, take Tylenol and ibuprofen. If you have a cough, take a cough suppressant. If you're congested, take a decongestant. Mm. I would recommend people not run out and test for COVID. The adage in medicine and the one that I grew up with was never do a test, the results of which will not change your actions. Mm. What if you find out you have COVID, what are you going to do differently than if you just found out it was one of the any uh, the other myriad viruses that cause upper respiratory symptoms? And the answer is nothing. So stop this insanity of testing. Stop. We are just fueling this ongoing fear and anxiety when it is time to get oh, back. home tests. Everyone has home tests every minute. They're Throw them out. People. Throw them out. Why? Uh, yeah. Throw, throw, why? You know, what would you do differently if you have a low grade fever, a cough a runny nose and body aches? What would you do differently if you found out it was covid versus not covid? Right. So it's a, a variant, let's say variant of a bad of a bad cold, bad flu, uh, right. early flu, bad cold. So I, I had like a month ago, I had symptoms that came up and I said, OK, not good. So I, I increased for me. I know it works. I went to 100,000 IUs of vitamin A because mm-hmm. I know it's mm-hmm. fat soluble. Right. I normally take about a <clears throat> much lower dose on a daily. When I go to 100,000 units of vitamin A, for some reason, my body responds to vitamin A. I found that in okay. over many years. My mother was right when I was a baby 100 years ago. Cod liver oil in the Bronx. Right. Right. They all gave us cod liver oil and orange juice. I hated it. I hated the taste. <laughs> but they had these simple home kind of right. treatments. Cod liver oil, vitamin A, vitamin, vitamin A, vitamin, what else is in cod liver oil? Vitamin E. Vitamin, vitamin E. e vitamin you know, e, right. right. So cod liver oil <laughs> worked very well. And um, I drank a lot of tea, increased my C, increased my D, and all of the other things. And slowly but surely, my, <clears throat> my ancient body did what it's supposed to do. Right. It got my macrophages off the couch. They took the clicker out of the hands of my macrophages and said, go to work and stop watching television. And my macrophages ran around my body and swept away the invaders in about a week, a few days. There's a reason, you know, chicken soup, chicken soup, uh, you know, works not only. Well, because number one, because you're increasing your flu, it's fluid. It's largely, you know, and number two, it's salty and therefore encourages you to drink more fluid. So Ah. chicken soup is salty. And so people end up getting in some additional fluids. So some of these things work. But why is fluid so important when you have a cold or flu? I've never quite figured out what the fluid has to do with it. Because you're losing a lot of fluid every time you cough. Ah. All of that. And every time you blow your nose and every time you're losing additional fluids. And if you have a low grade fever, you're losing fluids because of that. So all of these even minor viral illnesses cause you to get dehydrated because of the loss of of fluids through secretions Mm. uh, and because of a fever. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Dr. Victory, you are the uh, Madame Curie of our time. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me a platform to talk about this more at length. Just as much as I'm happy to finally be back on Twitter after being uh, banned for a year, 140 characters isn't a great way to explain much in medicine. I used to be on radio and I used to regret that I could only talk with people for a few minutes. Then there was another ad or a live read. I couldn't take it. I would go crazy because my mind is not organized that way. My mind has been trained and organized to actually have a discussion. One thought leads to another. One question leads to another. And you develop an idea through discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the podcast has been a, a, a relief. And I was so glad when you agreed to come on to the podcast for that reason. I knew that you wanted to express longer form answers right. to the ideas that i see you doing on i mean i was shocked that fox has you on with all the ends they have for from a set many <laughs> is there any other thought you'd like to leave with a listener that you can't get out on a normal tv show 
Well, again, the another question, I, the question I probably get asked the most right now, Michael, is I've been vaccinated. What can I do? Um, and uh, I also I don't want to become part of the problem by becoming uh, a, a fear monger. I don't suggest that you sit around and live in fear or regret your decision if you took a vaccine. Uh, I respect people's decisions for having taken them. Many people were coerced or mandated into it. Uh, you certainly were lied to. Um, so I don't suggest that you sit around saying, oh, my gosh, when's the other shoe going to drop? When am I going to develop cancer or an autoimmune oh, disease? I don't. Um, I think that if you've I would stop taking these shots. If you took two, don't take three. If you took three, don't take four uh. and so on. Um, and then spend more time focusing on your overall health and wellness. We lost this incredible public health opportunity during this pandemic to educate people. We knew that one of the, the, the single biggest risk factor for COVID, for a bad outcome from COVID, other than age, about which unfortunately there's nothing one can do, mm -hmm. the biggest risk factor was obesity. Yet we spent no time. They they did would not even say those words. You never heard Walensky or Fauci or Burks talk about this is the time to lose that excess 20 pounds because it's putting you at a big risk for a bad outcome from COVID. We didn't educate people about the basics. So I would suggest that people uh, go back to a modicum of common sense focus on the basics, do not live in fear. It's not only not a pleasant way to live, but it's not healthy uh, and, and really return to normalcy, get rid of the masks. I acknowledge that social distancing was a made up construct with no basis. It was in, actually in the, the daughter of one of the CDC Correct. people who came up with six feet. Correct. They, it was it was part of, it was part of her high school. No lie. There's no lie. It was her high school science project. Right. And her father was employed by Sandia Pharmaceuticals. They wrote a paper together. It was a theoretical modeling study. She made up six feet. She did. It was uh, not it was, five and a half feet, not six no. and a quarter feet. And we now have studies proving that, the, you know, uh, amongst others, Brown University did a study uh, last year that shows there's no difference in the transmission of respiratory viruses between six feet and 60 feet. <laughs> there's so many things I want to say about that. <laughs> the lies that we've been right. fed, lies that we've been right. fed. Hey, tell me one other thing before you go. The China thing. If none of these lockdowns work, and by the way, I call for selective um, quarantines right in the beginning, in the first month of this disease. Why were they locking the whole country down when you should have locked down the communities in which the virus was spreading most rapidly? And I knew what they were and nobody would admit it because it would have been considered politically uh, very, very uh, uh, dangerous for the politicians. We're bringing five. We bring in five million illegal aliens. I know this is a very sore topic. We don't know what illnesses they may have. They're not vaccinated by and large. And we wonder why we have outbreaks of illness all over the country of flu like illnesses. That's number one. But what about China? Why are they locking them down in China again when they know that the, did the lockdowns work? Well, first of all, um, it, and I've spent a lot of time in China, um, oh. uh, particularly studying their healthcare system. Um, it, two rules that I employ when when uh, talking about China. Number one is you cannot trust anything that comes out of the mouths of the Chinese uh, government. Trust absolutely nothing. And rule number two is there's no exception to rule number one. Um, <laughs> so first of all, we don't really know what's going on in China. Um, they have a vested interest in keeping their entire population in fear and under control. And they are a totalitarian government that does it with, uh, you know, with absolute. I mean, they are quite skillful. So, number one, they want to keep their own population in fear and locked down. Number two, I think the Chinese uh, Communist Party has a vested interest in appearing sympathetic. They, they want to garner the sympathy of the rest of the planet because, uh, 
therefore, kind of the idea is uh, it, this couldn't have possibly been our fault because see how we're oh, suffering. Yeah, right. no, we're containing it yeah. in our own country. Yes, we're and we're suffering. Right we're suffering mercilessly. So this wasn't our fault uh, that we launched this scourge on the planet. Ah. Um, it, no, the lockdowns did not work. We know they were an abject failure. Not only did places that locked down fare, not fare as well, they fared worse than places that didn't have lockdowns. If oh, you God. look at places like Sweden and most of the Scandinavian countries, they fared far better. If you look at um, insular communities in the United States, like the Hasidic Jewish community in New York or the Mennonite and Amish communities in Pennsylvania, they did very well. They're insular communities. They uh, you know, go to each other's stores, they go to school together, they worship together, they live communally. They all got COVID. It ran rampant through their communities. They, did they all developed no, immunity. It was, it was and raging. They, and they went on with their business. They didn't well, get vaccinated. I, I, I had rabbis would invite me <laughs> to Friday night, Sabbath dinners during it. I said, no, rabbi, during COVID epidemic, I'm not coming to your house for it to eat you know, locks what to eat. You know, and <laughs> they said, okay, we understand. But they they did it and they all got it and they got over it. Right. And they developed natural immunity. They had her immunity within their communities very, very quickly, uh, suffered minimally, didn't destroy the education and livelihoods of their uh, community members and went on with business. So, no, the lockdowns didn't work. And there's a reason that we have never employed lockdowns previously, because we know they do far more damage than than good. And, you know, really, people need to recognize it's better if the illness spreads a bit and people develop herd immunity. Yes. And on top of that, you people didn't pay you know enough attention to the other ancillary or associated uh, negatives of lockdowns. Millions of people during those lockdowns didn't get routine screening for things like breast cancer and colon cancer, follow up for their heart disease or their diabetes. The huge issues that we are seeing with supply chain was largely a result of the lockdown. We have people who starved to death, a quarter of a million people, according to UNICEF, starved to death as a result of supply chain issues because of the lockdown. So you caused far more carnage, suffering uh, and death from the lockdowns than COVID would have ever caused on its own. Mm -hmm. So much information. We're talking about probably the issue of our time the number one issue of our time that's not going away soon and uh, many people are becoming infected with the new variant of the covid what are they calling it now it's not covid 19 anymore what is it called it's i think we're 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 some other xx uh, you know i i've stopped paying attention i said early on five thousand now exactly you know some new subvariant a combination of letters numbers greek alphabet the bottom line is it doesn't matter uh and unless we start to see virulent strains infecting people who are not vaccinated, which we are not seeing, um, then I don't think there's much to do about it. The impact that the vaccines have had on the immune response of those people who took them is concerning. And I think we need, as I said uh, some minutes ago, we need to really be focusing on that. What can we do to help the outcomes for those people who have been vaccinated? Because they clearly appear to be the, the folks who are at risk so now it's a, now it's a, an epidemic of the vaccinated not an epidemic of the unvaccinated we have Correct. to tell that to all of the mouthpieces in the media who kept saying those of us uh who saw in another way were the bad guys maybe we should have right. worn leper bells or something <laughs> like that dr victory thanks for your wonderful work thanks for your attitude thanks for your emotional support for the nation during this very difficult time and uh, you are a true resistor Thank you. And thank you again for having me. I, I genuinely appreciate it. And I'm happy to join you at any time, Michael. I hope I don't need to speak to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks, Thanks again. again, Dr. Victory. Good day. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, 
Sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.